0: This is Gerard Fox with another episode of The Verdict is In. And as you, my great listening audience that I cherish, know, we have better and better, more informative, more interesting guests. And I will tell you that if your team at work is burned out, and that's a lot of teams. If you're experiencing a decrease in productivity, and I hope you're not, but if you are, and your team is less collaborative because they're not in person, they're not in a conference room, and you're feeling socially isolated, then today's episode is a must-tune-in, must-send to your friend that you're talking to about these issues. Let me introduce you to my guest. It is an honor, another very hard-to-get guest. This is Holland Haas. Holland, welcome.
1: Thank you, Jerry. Super excited to be here.
0: Holland is a workplace strategist. She is a corporate change agent and a recognized thought leader on human connection in a big way. Holland was named one of 100 global thought leaders, along with Deepak Chopra, Gabby Bernstein, and Susie Orman for her ideas around the principles in her book. And You should go get this book, Consciously Connecting. Now, you, we all know those names that I just read off. Those are huge names. Those are people who add value to your life and your business. So Tune in Holland has worked with clients in the finance industry, the law industry, my industry, healthcare, which is such a big industry, and tech startups. Some of her clients have included Pfizer, Mashable, Guardian Insurance, National Association of Women in Construction, hey, woo, 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 women in construction, Harvard in Tech, and New York Presbyterian Hospital. Holland is hired by individuals and organizations to help change behavior that impacts productivity, creativity, time management, in order to leverage your greatest assets, which is your people, your time, your opportunities, she is often called upon by CNN, ABC, NBC, Fox, Vast Company, and many others for her expertise. Now, with that background, which is amazing, and now you realize what a great guest, welcome to the show, Holland. And we're going to start with some questions. First, Holland, for my audience, first of all, where is home for you? We'll start with that because that's a basic question. People like to know, where is Holland?
1: Where is Holland? So normally I am in New York City, Upper West Side. So shout out to all the New Yorkers that are tuning in. Currently, though, I'm down in my second home in Washington, D.C. So that's that's been what I thought
0: was quieter
1: for the pandemic, you know. Ah. So that's where I've been hiding out.
0: Great. Before we get going, how do people get in touch with you? Do you have an email address or a website?
1: I've got an email address, a website, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, you know, LinkedIn, all of it, and it's super easy because everything is branded under me. So there's there's no catchy titles, it's Holland Spelled just like the country, H-O-L-L-A-N-D, so that's double L's in Holland. Last name, a little trickier, H-A-I-I-S is in Sam, so two I's in Haas. Okay. And you can go to .com, LinkedIn, again. Let's connect.
0: Yes, okay. So, Holland, how does a workplace strategist, corporate change agent, help companies in today's situation, which is so challenging?
1: Mm. So, it's not enough that a business owner or someone in the C suite is able to see the issues within the corporation. That's not enough. We've got to be able to put a plan into place and then we've got to be able to implement that. And so, it's very often that we see a problem, right? We see a problem, we see an issue. And then that's where it gets stuck in the pipeline because we don't have the right strategies in place. We don't have a workplace strategist that we can call upon to say, hey, Holland, we've got this issue. What do we do in order to move this along and help the business as well as the people the best that we can?
0: That's amazing. I just was talking to a client the other day and he's been doing pretty good with the pandemic, but then it started to hit him. And that I see that with more companies as they round the corner into the elongated, stretched out pandemic. And he said, look, I'm going to have to cut some salaries or lay people off. And I love my whole team at my company. It's a manufacturing company. I've been struggling with this as we're getting further in the hole here. I need to go to my people and give them a choice because I, I don't want to force it on them either. Do they want me to make the hard decisions to make some layoffs or do they want me to cut their salaries? And. How do I have that discussion with him? He is all bollocks up with how do you present that? Should I present it? Is that the type of thing where a company would retain you and you would help workshop that? and Maybe even help them use word choices and, and how to deliver the message.
1: Great question. So that is exactly one of the ways that a company would utilize my services. So with this particular person, first, we would do some one-to-one coaching to really make sure that the way he connects with his team lights up their brain, as opposed to shutting their brain down, getting the brain to darken. So we we look at the verbiage around this, the word choices. Then we're really going to structure this based on what is best for the company. You know, sometimes business owners want to be really nice. A company can't afford that. So, so how do we make that a win-win? So that's, that's something that we would really look at a potential win-win and then what we want to do is if there are layoffs or if there are people that voluntarily leave or again, whatever that strategy looks like, we want to make sure that people who are left really don't end up feeling resentful because that impacts productivity. We don't want them to feel like, oh, I'm next. It's only a matter of time because that's paralyzing. It stops collaboration. It stops creativity. It really stops the workflow. So then what we've gotta do is we've gotta pull everyone together, whether it's everyone who's left or a limited amount of people And then we've got to to work on that morale and we've got some strategies to put into place to help implement that as well.
0: And for the audience, you may have lawyers like me. I'm at a roadblock with this client because I can tell him how to litigate and how to form a great litigation strategy. But to honestly tell him, and I'm in CEO groups, but to tell him exactly how to deliver that message, that's not my skill set. I would have to work with my own people, but he's in a manufacturing business and his accountants certainly won't tell him that. So, but Holland is such an important addition in that situation because you're at a huge, you know, picture yourself and you're up in the mountains and you you've got a bridge you got to cross. And if you make it across, your company's going to survive. But if you don't, it, it's going to fall off that bridge. She's your guide. That's how you have to look at it. Now, do you work with HR teams to offer specialized programs? Because some of what you do, would seem to, in this pandemic, relate to working with HR teams or partnering with them?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, think about it this way. These days, almost every company needs to partner with someone like me because your HR team has so much that they're already doing. And how can they be highly specialized in all of these different areas of people development, professional development, people strategies, right? So exactly to your point, if I need someone (laughs) like you, Jerry, I'm gonna call on you, I'm not gonna call on a tax and finance attorney. Not that tax and finance attorneys aren't great, they don't do what you do in the courtroom. So it's the same for me, it's really getting that person who understands People strategies and has various programs that you can put into place because it takes time to develop programs to understand mindset, you know, first. Before we change behaviors, we've got to look at mindset. How do we shift mindset? How do we then change behaviors? How do we create accountability? And and an HR team has a lot more that they're doing. Not that they're not smart enough. They just don't have the time. They've got
0: so much else to do. Yes, and that is an important point. I have clients in the music industry who are impacted by the fact that there are not live concerts. I mean, there pretty much are very few, if any, live concerts in the world. There's no Coachella or Stagecoach or the big, big concerts that drove so much revenue. As those companies started to get hit by this, and there's all different companies at different size spaces in the continuum, they started to let droves of people off. And they had some of their leaders leave. They're big companies, so they have their people that they lay off have to sign these formal documents and a lot of the people they were telling me were really put off by the way they handled it very inhuman very over the top legal then they had to hire some back because they realized they had overfired or over furloughed and they had a hard time doing it so again that's where you would come in and talk to them ahead of time about look there's a lot of people who during a pandemic you're going to be let, you know, they're going to be freaking out and you, you know your business is going to come back this is a big industry you burn your reputation with all the young people coming up, you're not going to come back very strong. So, so let's talk about it, right? Isn't that another type of situation we get involved, Holland?
1: It's a great point that you bring up because Gen Z is so socially aware. They are this this generation that is aware of if you're a business and you're supporting something that doesn't feel right to them – they are gone if you are an industry or a business who has not treated your people well they are gone we know that the millennials like to be mentored that's so important to them to have have their opinion be heard and we all want to have our opinion be heard so we've got to be very conscious and that's the eq versus the iq right we've got to be very conscious how we're treating people which by the way, we were all raised that way to, to a certain degree, right? We all know and understand how it is to treat people well. And, and so it's really just elevating your presence and elevating that consciousness back into corporate America, which had somewhat dissipated. We were all about profits over people. And I think this is really the return. This is One of the silver linings of the pandemic, this is a return to people over profits. And when we do that, we know when we invest in people, we treat people well, we do things the right way, even the hard decisions of sometimes letting people go and downsizing. We know that our reputation is a good one because we've treated people well.
0: Well, and the other thing that is just so unique about this pandemic Whether you're a restaurant owner, whether you are a company that's involved in providing artists or staging concerts or selling tickets or whatever your business is, we all know. We all have hope. I have strong hope that we're going to get to the other side of this thing. And then in a snap, you're going to need all the good people back. And so what it creates is a bubble where you need trust. You know, you can't overlawyer it. You can't come down hard on people. You have to be nurturing. Because you're laying people off with the expectation of maybe hiring them back. What do you have to say about that, Holland?
1: Well, unless someone has done something so egregious, and I remember my HR days at a law firm in New York City, unless there is something that is so egregious, sometimes it's not a good partnership. It just, it just doesn't work, or we've made a mistake to maybe we didn't vet the right way. I know in my early days, I didn't always vet the right way, right? We, we all can make a mistake. And I think it's always to your point, Jerry, it's how do we do things? what is the process behind doing it? What is, the, what is our thought process? And are we doing something to be negative or are we doing something in a way where we say, gosh, this is a tough decision, this didn't work, you're not the best fit we're not the right best fit for you or we've got a downsize and the way we're going to do this is we've we've had a company policy that those who are last in are first out or maybe you've changed that because we realize that hasn't always been fair and some of the folks that are last in are some of the best and then that shifts and so again everything is what is your intention when you're doing something. And if your intention is best for the person, best for the business, best to be the kindest, it's going to be returned to us. We're gonna get that back in profits a million fold. It's about treating people in the best way possible and having these, these strategies and someone who can help to coach you through that, whether it's working with your whole team or working with
0: you individually. Now, I know that all companies in the pandemic, with the exception of those who have profited by it because of their niche, are worried about cost savings. So what are the cost savings or legal advantages to utilizing your services? Where, do, where can I actually save money by hiring you? So if you haven't started thinking
1: about DE&I, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, And it's nice to put a sticker up or put something up on a bulletin board. But if you don't really have an initiative behind the scenes, that can get you in trouble legally. It can get you in trouble with attrition. Let's just talk about attrition for a moment. If we have people who are consistently leaving and we have a revolving door, or even if you've got a large company, I know many years ago, I I worked with a a CEO, he had over 300 employees, and he didn't think its rate of attrition was very high because they only lost somewhere between 15 to 18 people annually. So he thought he was doing a good job until I pointed out to him, I said, well, it roughly costs $75,000. Seventy-five thousand dollars. The numbers are are greater now, but it roughly cost at that time seventy-five thousand dollars for every employee that you have to replace. I said, so let's just look at the math on that. Yeah, if you're right, right, mm-hmm. if you're, wow, right. Just 10 is three quarters of a million dollars. So I guarantee my services are nowhere near three quarters of a million dollars. And I guarantee that what you're going to save is one, I can guarantee that you're going to lower your rate of attrition, whatever that number is. So that's a huge cost savings. You're not going to have lawsuits. So, less for Jerry and his team to do because DE and I, you're now living it and you understand what a program is to implement these strategies and to really make a workplace diversity, equity, and inclusion. They're not just words. So, you stay out of liability issues. So, these are a couple of ways that it really is a cost savings.
0: Yeah. And I'll tell you, I wish I knew Holland. When I started this firm, we dedicated ourselves to being very diverse and to having women, people who are straight, people who are gay, Republican, Democrat, different religions, and we wanted progressed minds in the business. The one point that Holland uh, feed up and she'll hit it out like a fast pitch in a softball game it isn't enough just to bring people into your office who are diverse in every way. You have to deal with, if you have transgender people, you have to make them. You have a duty to make them comfortable, not just bring them there and make sure that they feel at home. So you have to change bathrooms. You have to, and every other person you hire has to be hired with a mindset, but they have to be progressive or else they're going to be biased and cause problems within your team. You have to understand these cultures and understand what a working mom might need and what hours she needs to leave and what you put at home. Now that I had a trial and error, but Holland, I assume you get deep into the woods on all of that stuff.
1: Get deep into the woods with that. And and if I can just back up for for a minute on on the cost-saving piece, we are a country right now which is facing actually a world. Let's go global. We are a world facing the epidemic of burnout. And it is going to cost even more money. It's already costing. What do you think it's already costing? Like, give me a number, Jerry. What do, what do you think it
0: costs? Let me tell you, I, my guess is billions of dollars. Because I even see it, I see it even with my own employees. Some of them live in small New York apartments. They're very worried. One guy lives in a small apartment in Beverly Hills with his older grandfather. These are people who who are not getting much interaction, are going to a computer, not into court, not meeting clients live. In the beginning, we did all kinds of things that the industry tells you to do. Now that's old. So burnout is big. I would say billions.
1: You are correct. It costs billions and billions of dollars annually. And what we are now hearing is that what we've gone through with this pandemic is going to give us a tremendous amount of PTSD in the world. We're going to have PTSD that is going to be more than the Vietnam War, Afghani War, and there's a third one. So it's it's going to be more than, than those wars combined is what we're going to experience in the world for PTSD. So as we start to our employees are pushed to burnout before they get to that tipping point and it goes over into nervous breakdowns it goes over into anxiety disorders we hit that tipping point of ptsd which imagine what that is going to cost in healthcare for an employer before you get to that point wouldn't it make sense To bring someone like me in to at least have a conversation with me around the idea of a burnout program, successful strategies to banish burnout within your organization that's going to help your team, which, again, you are monetizing this by investing in your team so they don't get that tipping point mentally, that pushes them over the edge even further. So be, before we get to that, let's be proactive. Let's start thinking in corporate America and around the globe. Let's start looking at initiatives before we're to the, the breaking point and everyone is so stressed out. Let's start saying, what do we do? Cause there's a, there's a problem, there's an epidemic. Hey, there are some solutions. Let's look at the solutions before this gets so bad within our company
0: and let's give a little teaser to the audience give me one idea of how you would deal with burnout just one
1: okay so one of the ideas around burnout is i often like to ask groups if they are very clear in understanding the mind body connection around when they need a break. So Jerry, are you are you clear with that when you need a break it, and your brain is literally saying to you, I can't do one more zoom, I've got one more meeting, I got to push through. Are you clear about within your schedule putting breaks into your day or do you just push through like most
0: most people out there? Well, I think in the be- I'll give you an honest answer, audience and Holland. Yeah. yeah. When the pandemic first started, I have a very strong work ethic. So I woke up at, you know, six o'clock and and I got into more marketing groups because, my gosh, I'm going to have to get more business. I would work until nine or 10 o'clock at night. I didn't exercise at all. I barely had family dinner. I burned out by about November, late November. I realized that if I did another Zoom, I would literally jump off a cliff. And I had put on 25 pounds. Because I I literally wasn't eating right and I wasn't exercising and I wasn't getting out. I was petrified to be out. My wife would go to the store, but I wouldn't go to the store. I mean, I was like in a cave, literally trying to, you know, make sure that I held all the pieces of this this very important group of people that I, I cherish in my company together and we had programs for all of them, but not really in fact the one program we run I I didn't participate in. I wanted them to be free of the boss. So yes. And I eventually hit a point where it was my doctors who told me, Jerry, newsflash here, very unhealthy life, you're the guy in charge, you need to be inspiring them, so you're going to work out five days a week, you're going to take breaks, Uh, cut out some of these groups, figure out which ones are important, which ones are not, and get back to a more balanced life. Now, that took doctors to tell me that. And I'm good, I'm healthy now, and I'm on the right track, but man, you know, you don't want to walk into that wall and smash your head. And you're very fortunate, Jerry, because
1: you're the boss. You own the firm. You're very successful. You're in many cities. So now imagine how many people are not in that position. And they're not getting a doctor's note because they're embarrassed to do that, or they feel it will jeopardize their job, or they feel they don't have someone that owns a business that's like you or someone they directly report to, you're open-minded, you're fair, you want to support your team. And not everyone comes from that that mindset. They think they're coming from that mindset, but they're a little more critical and judgmental with their team. Who's gonna show up with a doctor's notice? So one of the ways we do this as a team, as a collective, is we're really starting to look at what are you aligning on your calendars? How many meetings do we have to have? How long are these meetings? What is the purpose of these meetings? Does everyone need to be at these meetings? Because here we are a year later and we're finding that the strategy around meetings for our team, for the most part, hasn't really changed. That's kind of step 1 is really looking at that and it's got to be top down because it's very rare that bottom up someone's going to say I'm doing seven Zoom meetings a day and I'm just I'm exhausted and I'm not paying attention and I'm falling behind on my work. We need to look at this top down instead of bottom up so that we help people to be able to find their voice and share what their needs are and we do this we do this together. And so that's the first and foremost, because we, our brains can't do back-to-back Zoom all day. So starting to look at the meeting strategies, which have to do with, with people strategies and breaking the backs, literally, of people.
0: The advice that you hear, sometimes when you hear it, you think, oh, my gosh, that seems to make common sense. But it's, it's hard when you're, you know, I'll tell you, no matter who you are out there in the world, no matter how well you think you're handling this pandemic, It is a first time for you in your life. And like everything in life, we have to experience it, make some mistakes. And the question is, are we going to cut down on our mistakes? And this guest will help any business. Cut down on their mistakes, which is vital. And and have programs that are well thought out, that impact all the people in your company, including yourself, who are affected by the pandemic. It might be so obvious it's at the tip of your nose, but you're not seeing it. Or it might be something more subtle that you're not trained for. I will tell you a few things before we close. I could talk to Holland for hours because, among other things, Holland has a career in teaching political candidates and heads of companies and people in general how to speak to an audience. She is one of the best speaking coaches probably in the United States, if not the world. You don't even know that because we didn't focus on that today. She also is a person who has helped people and guide them through what is a very complex Of an issue for business owners. I know it is for me. How to connect consciously when you're on LinkedIn, when you're communicating with you. You know, I want to always tell all of you that you're listening. I want you to have a great day. I cherish you. I'm happy that you're listening to me, and I'm happy for the benefit being connected to you. But some people are very, you know, they're connecting, but it's you know how your internet goes in and out because you don't have a strong connection. Some people don't have a strong connection because they don't know how to connect. Well, that's the book. I would say, uh, go out and read it, because when you get it, you'll read it three times. Not all books are worth reading. This one is, Consciously connecting, meaning I want my connection to be successful, not just to connect. And Holland is offering a complimentary consultation to help you further understand where you may be losing opportunities and resources within your organization. Now, I've personally done this with Holland and can tell you she really understands best people strategies. Can help you implement immediately. I know from my different groups I'm in that CEOs are looking to to look inward for ways to be better. Here is the tool to be better. Holland, any last words for this great audience?
1: Well, I want to thank this great audience for cultivating your relationship with Jerry and Jerry what you do for so many people and I, I thank you all for taking time to listen to this podcast because sharing your time with me and with Jerry it is the, the greatest gift that you can give to someone it's your time so thank you so much for being here and I look forward to meeting you you all and having a conversation
0: yes and please everyone follow up with Holland I want to open up about something I have a group of people who go through every guest that we're going to put on. I've had two or three shows where I've rambled on it to try to offer you my insight on something. But when we put a guest on, we don't charge. There's no subscription fee. This is me giving a public service for you and your company, your life, to meet someone uh, in 25, 26 minutes who will add value to your life. In that regard, I've done my Brotherhood of Mankind a service. And here's Holland, who I'm bringing to you because... We've already gone through the fact that we know she can add value to so many businesses and unburden them. So unburden yourself and call Holland and get a free consultation. Talk to her. Holland, thank you so much. You're amazing. They'll get to know you're amazing. You're going to want to talk to her more. Thank you. And we'll return with our next guest in a few days.